0: Welcome to Warriors Offcourt, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Leterno, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we fielded readers' pressing questions about everything from free agency targets to potential Paul George trades. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Um, you know, we're back we're here in Full-on off-season mode, I think a little bit earlier than we both anticipated. I think we both assumed we'd still be covering a playoff series right now, probably Utah, maybe a four-game loss, maybe a five-game. I I know the way the Grizzlies have put up a fight, a lot of people think the Warriors would have uh, made that interesting. I'm still not convinced, but um, here we are. It's it's, uh, June 1st, and we've already been in off-season mode um over a week now um how's how's the offseason treating you man are you are you getting a little rest are you are you uh getting a breather uh sort of i took all of last week off
1: uh which was nice um as soon as those eggs interviews were done with bob myers and steve kerr this is the first time working since then uh but i did use that opportunity to exhaust myself physically with a fun little kayaking trip so um Uh, I feel now like I need a vacation after that, like I turned 30 in April and I didn't realize that my body would do this. So I feel I just, I haven't worked in almost a week, but that kayaking trip, I'm done. I, I don't feel like I can work again this week. So you're lucky you got me today.
0: Dude, sometimes, sometimes, like the the fun trips and stuff are more exhausting than just like working. I mean, I, I had a pretty packed Memorial Day weekend too, and I'm exhausted, and now I have a pretty full work week, and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to do that too. Um, but uh, <laughs> no one wants to hear us complaining. Um, I I put out the call on uh, for Warriors mailbag questions, and I just so our readers and listeners are aware. I will not be doing a weekly Warriors mailbag in the offseason like I did uh, throughout the season, but I will have occasional podcasts that that get into uh, mailbag questions. And a lot of these questions uh, we're asking for specific names that the Warriors could go after, um, you know, targets, um, which is a, are all completely understandable questions and questions that I think really play to your strengths, because uh, one thing you're great at is, Finding targets, finding names that make sense, um, and having those in your stories and on your podcast. And so we're going to be delving into a ton of names here. Um, This first question is from Michael Silvers8. Do you believe that James Wiseman can become a great defensive player? I do. Not just good or adequate, but great. He has size, mobility, and intelligence, but he needs experience. What's your thoughts on this?
1: I think he can. I, th-
0: I think he absolutely
1: can. Um, I don't know that it can happen when the Warriors need it to happen, but a- as far as whether or not, you know, eight years from now, James Wiseman could be a great defensive player. Yeah. I see no reason why not to think he can't be. Uh, I- I- a lot of people want to compare him to like Rudy Gobert or something from a size perspective, and maybe that's the sort of defensively what he could be because again, he's got that kind of size and athletic frame and all these things, Um to To expect him to be Rudy Gobert, who's going to be a three time defensive player of the year, one of the all time great defensive centers that we've ever seen, like maybe maybe hold back on that kind of comparison for a minute. Uh, but you can even go to other kind of comps like Clint Capella, for example, in Atlanta for years, you know, a decent defender uh, to have, to at sometimes a very good defender in Houston, but definitely not without uh, his his um his warts and things like that and and He's really started to come into his own this year with the Hawks, and I think if there were a fourth all-NBA team, he would be on it at center. Him, him and probably Bam Adebayo. But um, he's a really, really good player, and he's a reason why Atlanta is up 3-1 against uh, the Knicks right now in the first round of the playoffs. And I think maybe that kind of developmental curve makes sense for James Wiseman. Again, probably not reaching the heights of one of the all-time great defenders we've ever seen in Rudy Gobert. But somebody who could be a really, uh, uh, who could be still a linchpin of your defense, a guy you can anchor your defense around, who can protect the rim, ha- is athletic enough to switch out onto the perimeter, probably not the best place for him to be, but can at least do it uh, at, at a high enough level where it, he's not a complete negative and gets played off the floor the way that like an Ennis Cantor does. Uh, I think that could definitely be his ceiling. And like I said, Clint Capella, he's a guy who got some defensive player of the year consideration. And I think that Wiseman, if you were to reach a ceiling, could get to that kind of level, which is to say, very, very good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you about all those points. Um, I, I'm still just not sold on his overall feel for the game. And I think, I think being a great all around defender is a lot about instinct and feel. And it's a lot about uh, reading the floor and making uh quick reactions. I mean the, the the biggest reason to me why Draymond is elite defensively is because he's so good at like lurking near a play, monitoring it and reacting at the right place at the right time over and over and over consistently. And I'm not sure that Wiseman will ever have even a fraction of that. But I do think right. he can be more of a a traditional interior defender slash rim protector type who's Helpful, um, yeah, and that's
1: why that's why I stopped short on the Rudy Gobert comp because he has all that stuff that you are just talking about, Draymond Green too. I mean, everybody just focuses on the fact that he's seven feet tall and has this incredible wingspan. Now, the dude's one of the smartest defenders in the NBA. There's a reason why, like, if it, if it was just needing to be big and strong, then a lot of people, a lot of players would be as good defensively as Rudy Gobert is. But he's got the smarts too, so I agree with you. I'm a little dubious about his feel for the game, but you can make up for some of that with experience which is why I use a comp like Clint Capella, who, look, I don't I don't cover Clint Capella. I don't know him that well, and I don't have a good feel for what his feel for the game or basketball IQ is, but it took him a long time to get to where he is now, and I think you could see something like that for Wiseman,
0: too. Uh, our next question is from Angel0901. Seriously, I'm tired of seeing lists of mediocre trade or free agent possibilities for the dubs. We've already got that. Are there any big name centers or shooters we can seriously consider? Cut through the crap and be honest.
1: That's so interesting to me, uh, that question, the way that it's framed, because it, it sounds like we're in charge of who gets traded mm. and who is available. We're, mm. not, we're not just wading through crap and just handing people crap. Like When I bring up a name like Wayne Ellington, it, it's not me being like, hey, man, I'm not giving you what's really about to happen. I'm not giving you the behind the scenes scoop. No, the behind-the-scenes scoop is we don't know what player will be available. And it's not like you and I can get on this podcast and be like, guess what, Damian Lillard, it's happening. And then it happens. So it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, so this is not – like I, I, just, I don't know. This is so funny. Like This anti-media framing of the question is, is pretty fantastic. And yet he wants
0: media people to answer that question. And so um, – <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's like give me the biggest name you can. It's like, okay, I'll just forget that the salary cap exists. I'll forget that the luxury tax – yeah. exists and I'll just uh I'll be like I'll just look at you know maybe bringing in Donovan Mitchell because he'd be a good fit on the roster right as like a six man type right
1: I don't know if this guy <laughs> is just expects us to figure out how Giannis or Kawhi gets to Golden State but it's like like you said like you've got reasons why that's not happening um and I know Warriors fans still want to dream about Kawhi Leonard go ahead and dream I'm like, I'm not going to I'm not going to ruin your day you know but I'm, I am I'm going to tell you it's not happening. You know, even Paul George, you know, I, I explored this last week on Locked on Warriors. Actually, I want band. you to
0: hold your thought on that because we have a question about okay, that. I want to get a little Fair bit enough. about that. Um, we
1: have no idea who the big name is going to be. And I think things could happen this offseason where a big name does shake loose. You and I don't know who that is. That player probably doesn't know who he is right now. Right. Like things happen. I don't think James Harden was ready to get traded this time last year for Houston. But the offseason happens, things go down. You know, Mike D'Antoni gets uh, let go. They, Daryl Morey, goes to Philadelphia, and all these things happen. All of a sudden he's like, you know what? I don't want to be in with the Rockets anymore because these are not my people who I basically grew up with here. Something like that could happen somewhere else. I don't know who that player would be. Me, I look again, I look at Portland. Do they move on from Terry Stotts? Do they try to blow it up if it doesn't work out in the first round against Denver right now? Maybe. And even if that were the case. Does Damian Lillard then say, you know what, I don't want to be in Portland because all the people I grew up with, Neil Olshi and, and, and Terry Stotts and this group aren't here anymore. That's possible. Anything is possible in the NBA. We just don't know who it is yet. We have no idea.
0: Yeah. Um, but to so kind of building off that question, who are some, I don't really want to say big names, but who are some realistic names that you think are on the, the sexier end of the spectrum? Um, I think one name that we've talked about before on – on one of the podcasts was uh, Kelly Olenek. Um, Kelly Olinick, I know, is not like that all-star caliber guy that people want to hear about, but I think he'd be an absolute best-case scenario on a mid-level if they could give get him. He, he My guess is he's going to probably be out of that range, but if they could entice him to signing mm-hmm. that 6.3 taxpayer mid-level, um, that's a best-case scenario. Steve, uh, Bob Myers said the other day that he's looking for a floor-spacing floor big, uh, Kelly Olynyk shot around forty percent from three with Houston this season. Uh, his overall numbers were incredible. Of course, you have to keep in mind the fact that he was on a bad team. He was mm-hmm. there's a little bit of uh, number padding going on in those situations, but he was efficient. Um, he was solid defensively. Um, I think he would be a real asset to this team as potentially like a, a six man type guy.
1: I like the color Olympic fit. I have for a couple of years now. I actually think you could probably get him at the mid level exception. I don't see him getting a ton of money out there just because he's shown he's already made that money, right? He was making $12 million uh, that he signed with that, that contract with Miami, and they were ready to move on from him pretty quickly. Uh, I don't think that will get, I don't think he'll see that kind of money again. So I do think you could probably get him at the taxpayer bid level, especially if you're a winning team or a team at least with a winning reputation like the Warriors have. Um, and, and there's an opp- a clear opportunity for Kelly Olynyk to play. Uh, I think you could get him at that. Um, I and it's funny that you meant. What are the sexy names? And the first thing you said was Kelly Olynyk. I don't really. I don't. When you say sexy, I don't. The first person I think of is not Kelly Olynyk.
0: Well, that's but my that's point. Kind of, that's my no. Point. That's
1: exactly it. Right. Um, I will try. I will try to give people something that they want. And one name I would be monitoring is Marcus who the Warriors were in the running for last offseason, he ultimately obviously decided to sign with the Lakers, uh, has not been happy with his role in, in Los Angeles. I know he's under contract for next year, but it's for a modest like two and a half million dollars or something like that. The Warriors could work out a trade if Marc Gasol says, hey, look, get me out of here. Uh, I want to go to Golden State. That was the other team I wanted to, to, to play for uh, Marc Gasol, like It's not impossible for the Warriors to acquire him via trade. So maybe that's a name that they could look for and would kind of solve the things that you're looking for, right? All the reasons we talked about Marcus All being a great fit last year, he can space the floor. He is a playmaker at the center position. Defensively, yeah, he isn't what he once was, not even close. He's actually kind of a negative at that end sometimes now. Probably can't even play for you every night, but could be a useful player off the bench.
0: Yeah, and it feels like that needs to happen just because every single – Summer. It feels like that I've been on the beat there. We've talked about Marcus Soul as a potential possibility. Um, and I know the Warriors like him a lot. I know Draymond's a big fan. Um, you know, but if it was between him and Olenek I would go Olenic right now. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, I think Olenic is a better player right now. We'll
0: have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. Next question is from. C. Linenbach, what are the odds the Warriors make two selections in the first round of the twenty twenty one draft? What about one selection? Um, this is a good question um, because because there is so much uncertainty still about you know a where that top three protected pick for Minnesota is going to land, even where the Warriors own lottery pick is going to land. It's probably going to land at fourteen, but there's a chance it could. It could end up a little higher. Um, there's even a tiny chance it could end up in the top four, which would be insane. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of question marks around that. But the bottom line for me is that this isn't a team that needs to get much younger. Um, you, you have a couple, at least right now, you have a couple young pieces that you feel uh, optimistic about who you feel are promising, and you can try to kind of groom them. But uh, And those guys being James Wiseman, Jordan Poole, uh, but you don't need a you don't want many more young guys that you're working on grooming. We saw this past season how kind of detrimental that can be when that's too much of a focus. And um so they need to get as many established veteran guys around Steph, Draymond, and Clay as humanly possible, guys who have a proven track record in the playoffs. This is something that Bob Myers went on record just the other day saying that is his top priority is, is getting these types of guys in. And so it is an interesting thing because you do have two lottery picks potentially in a pretty solid draft who, and you could probably get guys who either could become all-star caliber guys or could at least be helpful in the near term, even as young guys. So like, how do you think they navigate that? Do you think bottom line, do you think they're going to use both? Do you think they use one? So, can we go back to the question? Did they
1: ask us for a percent chance that they end up using both picks? What are the odds? What are the odds? Okay. All right. So, first of all, there's a 72.4% chance that the Warriors get this Minnesota pick. So, if they use it, um, I get the impression, if, if they get the pick, I get the impression that they will use it, right? That they will be, that they are comfortable adding another rookie to this roster despite all the things and the challenges that they, Discovered in in trying to turn James Wiseman into a contributor right away. I, every that is a sense that I get um, from the Warriors. Now, if they get two of these picks, I've heard it floated out there. Hey, maybe package the 14th pick with the seventh pick and move up. Maybe you can, but you're only moving up probably a spot or two. You're not going into the top three with those two things. Like that's just not the commensurate value. Uh, so, um, yeah, maybe that's an option. Uh, maybe if you end up with with fourteen and six or fourteen and seven or whatever it is, maybe you take somebody at seven and trade fourteen. We still don't know who those players are that are out there, um, but I do think that the Warriors would at least explore if they end up with both of these picks, trading one and keeping one, and sort of splitting the difference that way. I think that's yeah. entirely realistic. Uh, yeah. But I also think that the Warriors, like we've heard this, Tommy Myers say this all last year. You don't have to make a decision until you're on the clock, and I think that he believes that. Now that doesn't—that's not to say that. Hey, we don't. Maybe we have a couple of uh, deals here that we could pull off. We're talking to other front offices going to the draft. But if they're sitting there at 14, and somebody they had ranked at six on their big board falls to them at 14 or something like that, then maybe they'd feel comfortable saying, "You know what? We took a guy at seven who we liked. Now we got a guy at 14 who we ha- we we value a ton and we really like. Let's just add both of these guys and see what happens." I don't. You and I could disagree, and I think with with the front office and that idea of doing that, I. I think that they should do whatever they can and put all the chips on the table and just load this roster up as much as possible around Steph and go for one more championship and the hell with eight years from now. Honestly, I don't, I don't think anybody, yeah, I, I, don't think so. a Warriors can't, I don't think a Warriors fan cares about that. The only people who care about eight years from now are Joe up and ownership and all that kind of stuff. But that's, but that's not what we're asking here. The question that people want to know is what will happen. And I do think that the Warriors would be comfortable adding rookies to this roster despite all the challenges that we've been talking about.
0: Well, it just depends on what's out there, right? And if there yeah. isn't like a big game changing trade out there, then they don't really have a lot of other options, you know? Like it, it's not, it's not it's not the end of the world if they if they end up using both draft picks. I mean, first of all, it's just it would be a win just to even get the Timberwolves pick. You want you want no matter what, you want to get the Timberwolves pick this year. You don't want to have to wait until 2022 when it becomes unprotected it looks like the Timberwolves are starting to trend in the right direction. Um, And, and, you know, ever since they made the coaching change and and really let Anthony Edwards uh, come into his own and unleash all his, his powers, uh, they have gotten better. And so um, I think it's possible that they could be like a late lottery team next year. And what's expected to be kind of a middling draft at best. Um, So you don't want to have to wait. Um, But like, as you touched upon, it's 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 over a fifty percent chance that they the pick conveys at seven or eight. So you're looking at like probably the seven or eight range, and you look at the guys who they could get at seven or eight. So, some of the same some of the names being mentioned there are the same guys they could potentially get at fourteen. I mean, this draft mm-hmm. is really fluid after the top five guys. Um, really wide range of 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 opinions on on who should go in that mid lottery to late lottery range. And so, um, yeah, I was
1: told, I I was told six to 14 are basically interchangeable. Like you could put those guys in any order. Right. Which,
0: which which is interesting, you know, considering that they could have two picks in that range. Um, and so, uh, I think maybe if you did keep both of them, maybe you you focus one on like a higher upside long-term play and one more on, uh, someone who can help you right away. I think let's say hypothetically, they got like, the seventh and 14th picks in the draft i think you'd probably given what's out there you probably use that seventh pick maybe more on a a long-term play actually on 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 more of a developmental guy who you think has all-star potential um some guys who fit that that billing would be like uh scotty barnes from florida state um keon johnson from tennessee um you know, those are, those are guys that I think can help them um, down the line, but maybe aren't going to be instant impact guys. Um, and then at 14, maybe you can get someone who uh, who can actually help you in, in, in a rotation role next season, but maybe doesn't have the upside. You know, guys like Davion Mitchell from Baylor, who was the best player on that national championship Baylor team looks like a guy who's going to be a defensive impact player from day one. Can also score a little bit. Um, Corey Chris Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, who's an elite shooter, um, could come in and fill a role. So, you know, if they do keep both picks, they have options. But I I believe that Plan A would be to package uh, these picks for. A game-changing move like that blockbuster trade for an all-star caliber guy if a guy becomes available because those are their top assets those pieces would need to be included that's plan a if that doesn't happen then uh, i think plan b would be to trade up package both picks and trade up in the draft for like a jalen suggs who i know you're obsessed with you've written about uh more than any beat writer i uh, you know i know you think he he'd be a perfect fit in their system i agree i think he's a guy who even at like 19 20 years old could be like a legit seventh man for a right group. away yeah i really believe that so but that's a big ask because the teams value someone like mm-hmm. jalen Suggs so much more than these other names we've mentioned in the seven to 14
1: range yeah you're not you're not they're not moving up into the top five with these two picks. If, they, if it ends up at seven and 14, they're not. They're flat. They are just not doing it. I mean, I don't know what team in the lottery that can conceivably, be get, can, can conceivably end up with a top five pick in what is so clearly another tier of prospect and player, of franchise changing talents with like that guaranteed kind of talent, not guaranteed to change your franchise, but just that, that it's so obvious what that talent is, and then you go into that other range I still think even like, maybe maybe like, hey, there's an argument to be made, two bites at the apple instead of one. No, I'd rather get a bite at that apple because we're talking about basically two different apples, right? You're talking about a great, awesome, red, delicious apple, and then you're talking about kind of like a just a bland other, you know, Macintosh apple, not to put, you know, different brands of apples on trial here, but that's my my apple opinion in case you're asking about it. Um, I do think, I agree with almost everything you said, except one thing. Yes. Plan A: Package everything, get a superstar. If that doesn't happen, you at least ask to move up into that top five, and then you'll and then you know whatever GM you call is going to laugh and then hang up the phone. But at least you at least you tried it. That's your job if you're Bob Myers. Uh, plan C is just to use the two picks probably, or and then may, and then you get into variants of plans like use one pick and then trade the other pick or whatever. Okay, we can. That's in a whole other exploration we can do. Uh, the only thing I disagree with you with is I wouldn't split the difference. I wouldn't do the long term raw player and then the more sure thing right now. I would go for two sure things right now because you've already got the raw long-term play in James Wiseman, and he's going to have hard of enough of time getting legitimate, meaningful playing time that even if you were to select a more long-term play, I don't know that that player gets playing time anytime soon in in order to properly develop and then reach that ceiling.
0: That would be my only concern. How many rotation spots do they really have available next season? That's the other thing. That's my thing is like, if, if if you're trying to get two guys who can help you right away, you're you're doing that for the purpose of giving them immediate rotation minutes. And I'm not sure that they fair. do. I mean you have com- seven guys right now currently on the team. Seven. Seven who are definitely gonna yep. warrant major rotation minutes next season. You have seven guys, then you're gonna use that mid-level on someone who's going to be a rotation caliber guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're up to eight. And then you, you know, got two more spots and you got two picks. Yeah, but you, you got to think they are going to sign someone on a minimum who's going to be helpful too. Maybe. Look,
1: that, that player you signed on the minimum could end up being Kent Bazemore or somebody like Kent Bazemore who was helpful. Player. Or it could, that player could end up being Brad Wanamaker and not being able to crack the rotation, right? So you have no idea. Just like with those minimum contracts, you have no idea how that's going to work out. And I know that Bob Myers wants to go chase veteran, you know, veteran uh, ring chasing veterans. But, you know, I broke this down before all of the coastal elite teams that ring chasing veterans go to are in the playoffs. The Warriors are not. It is not a guarantee that they can even get any of those guys. They hope that they can, but it's not a guarantee that they can. And so um, I I think that you that player would at least have a better chance. I think you can have 10 guys. If you're the Warriors, you want to play 10 guys every single night next year. Uh, It's not let these two rookies basically duke it out for that 10th spot. That's fine. And then whatever happens, happens. Like you've got these two picks. Like you said, plan A, B, and C is probably moving off of one or two of these picks. But if those things don't happen and you have to take somebody, I think you ha- got to take guys who can at least compete for a-, a rotation spot right away. I did a mock draft. Everybody on the Lockdown Podcast Network last week, we did a mock draft. So one through 14, just the lottery teams. And I was actually pretty surprised to see the players I got. I ended up with, uh, in this mock draft, um, Franz Wagner out of Michigan, who I think would be a perfect fit you for the Warriors. Uh, I don't love him as a prospect. I love him for the Warriors. I think he's a floor spacing big, but not, or a, floor, a, big, a big body who could space the floor, really competitive, high IQ uh, defender, and I think he's a guy who can walk in right away, and, and, and he can play make a little bit for you. He doesn't have the athleticism to be a lead go uh, to score, but the Warriors don't need a go to score. They've got stuff, and they've got clay coming back, and they got Draymond Green to run the offense. Um, I think you can play him on the weak side and get a lot out of him. And then Davion Mitchell was there at fourteen, which I was shocked by. But if you can, if you're in an opportunity to get like a couple guys like that, that's a home run. So um, we'll see. Though I think ultimately what the Warriors will do is they'll just t- if they end up taking these two players, they'll just take the player the two players that they like the most. And I don't think they're going to think about it as hard as you and I are even thinking about it. As far as like long term, short term, Mitchell though.
0: is everything they're looking for. Um, he's he's a winner. He's a great defensively. Uh, He plays within himself offensively. I think he fit their system perfectly. Um, I think he's a guy who could come in day one and be an impact player. And I do think they could use a little bit more defense, especially when you're thinking about the fact that they're probably going to lose Kelly Oubre this off season. They they very well could lose uh, Kim Bazemore. Um, You know, it would, it would be helpful to have, a young guy who who you can depend on defensively. And I think he'd be perfect. Um, And so, yeah, we'll see. But to answer the bottom line, to answer this question, I think, I think there's a higher percentage chance that they keep both picks than most people think. I think Mm -hmm. probably over 50% chance, assuming they get uh, the Minnesota pick, which June 22nd is going to be a very big day for this franchise, the draft lottery. Uh, Next question uh, from at Tony, you up? What's a realistic return on an Ubre sign and trade?
1: A trade exception.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I, I, I don't um, look. If it would be, int- I would be interested to see what New Orleans's response would be to hey, uh, we will we will facilitate a sign and trade for Eric Bledsoe because I don't think that the Pelicans have any interest in keeping Eric Bledsoe around. It's an expensive contract. It wasn't a great fit. He had a terrible year for them. Uh, I think theoretically, Bledsoe would be a good fit for what the Warriors are looking for, but only if he doesn't suck the way he sucked last year. And uh, that's not a guarantee. Like He's kind of gotten worse every single season as he's gotten older. So um, I think if the Warriors wanted to try to facilitate a sign and trade and get Eric Bledsoe back, they probably could. I don't know that the Warriors are all that interested in Eric Bledsoe. You think about other names, like would Minnesota be interested? In Kelly Oubre, let's just keep trading with Minnesota every year. Like, would they be interested in Kelly Oubre for a Ricky Rubio? You know, maybe that's something with it, with Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell there as your backcourt. Maybe you don't have room for Rubio the way that you thought. And if you're the Warriors, you have a need for playmaking, like a stated need for playmaking. Kelly Oubre was clearly not the fit that you were hoping he would be. Maybe that's something that they could explore. Um, but uh, that's probably the best that they can do. Real uh probably realistically, if they are able to execute a sign trade, which is not as easy as everybody keeps making it sound like in your Twitter comments and mine, um, he's an unrestricted free agent. It's ultimately up to Kelly Oubre and good luck trying to read what Kelly Oubre wants. Um, so um it's not that easy, but if it were to happen, I think best case scenario is he goes to a team that wants to maintain some cap space or doesn't have the cap space is interested in a guy like Kelly Oubre um and then the Warriors just create a trade exception that they can use down the line
0: yeah no I I I agree with you um I think I think a trade exception would be a win for this team I mean we saw in getting uh Oubre turning water into wine in terms of uh, a really crappy situation with with clay going down for the season they were able to parlay that trade exception into a you know, someone like Ubre that was that was somewhat of a coup, and so getting another trade exception can can just give the Warriors more flexibility. And at the end of the day, that's Bob Myers' number one job is to get stockpile assets, give them options, give them flexibility so that they can be opportunistic when opportunities arise. Um, the next question you you briefly touched upon this earlier, but this is from at Dilka Suramana. What if PG three, aka Paul George, uh, was available this offseason? Is it a good idea to go after him? If yes, who are the players the Warriors will give up? Now, I know you talked about this with, I believe, Bram Hillsman on your podcast. Um, Bram from Warriors Huddle was I was on his podcast uh, a week ago, and, and he floated the Paul George possibility. And at that time, it was the first time I had really heard this as a possibility. And at the time, I, I, had, I had a hard time kind of figuring out what my opinions were on it. Um, it's a good, I think, of, of the big names that have been floated out there, out there to me, it's the most realistic. It's the, it's the one that makes the most sense for both teams. Um, if you're looking at the potential package the Warriors would put together to try to get him, I think it's, a, it's something that the Clippers would have to look long and hard at. I also think it's something that the Warriors would have to think about because um, it would be the ultimate statement to Steph and Draymond and Clay, like, we're serious about winning right now. And Paul George, um, you can say what you want about what he does in the playoffs and and, and who he is as a person and what have you, but he's a a legit elite two-way player in this league, and I think he'd be really helpful, and he'd be an upgrade at that small forward position from – Andrew Wiggins, uh, even though I like Andrew Wiggins, so the potential package you're obviously looking at would be um, Andrew Wiggins is that big contract, right? Uh, the top three protected pick for Minnesota, probably your own lottery pick, which would be around 14, and then you're looking at James Wiseman for for Paul George. That right now, that would work. I think I think you'd also have to take back one player from the Clippers like a more of a role guy type type person just a salary, like, like a Patrick Patterson type guy Um just to make the salaries match. But um you know, if I'm the warriors and that, and the Clippers will be willing to do that. I would probably do it, which you I have know, to. which I you know. Have to. Yeah.
1: There's, there's no, you absolutely have to do it. And, um, look, I'm going to try not to be a buzzkill cause I feel like I was a little bit and I don't know. I think, I still think my apple take rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but, um, <laughs> I will, I will entertain this hypothetical. And, uh, so let's, I won't even discuss whether or not it can or cannot happen or what would, you know, the, the many, many dominoes that would have to fall in the right direction for the Warriors to even have a chance at Paul George. We, I think everybody can pretty much understand that stuff. Like Kawhi would have to leave. It would have to be a whole complete tear down, everything like that. That said. If that were a pack, if that were an option for the Warriors, if Paul George were on the trade block, Bob Myers should be the first guy to call uh, the Clippers, whoever's making the decisions there right now, and, and say, hey, all that stuff that you just said, Connor, that's all on the table. You get two picks in this draft if that pick falls uh, from Minnesota. You're going to get James Wiseman, who, if you've watched the Clippers in these playoffs, they, I would say that they have a pretty strong need for a center right? Like if Akazubak got played off the floor. They're playing Nick Batum right now at the five. I would, I would venture to say that they probably have a need for a center right now with uh, the upside that Wiseman has. Uh, and then you get Wiggins back because, it, and you know, you get a like for like, as far as position is concerned, but moreover, like you said, it's a salary that ma- that makes the most sense there. Uh, cause you need a big salary to send back. I mean, for the Warriors, it's a no brainer. And I understand, look, playoff P is not a great player. You know, playoff Paul George is not a great player. Uh, who it doesn't matter. It, you have to make that deal and it's a no-brainer if you're the Warriors and you punt on James Wiseman's future, you punt on the future of these two draft picks potentially that you're going to have. Who cares? You've got Paul George. You've got Steph Curry in his prime. You've got Draymond Green in his prime. clay Thompson's coming back. Kevon Looney is a is a perfect center in the starting lineup and would be even better if you played with a guy who needed the ball like Paul George does. Uh it's a no-brainer. You figure out the depth and all that crap later on with and because all of a sudden now If you add Paul George to this team, those ring-chasing veterans are going to look at the Warriors a lot harder than they would if it's Andrew Wiggins on that team, a team that just missed the playoffs for the second straight year. A splash like that changes everything. Warriors fans should understand that after the Kevin Durant thing happened. Uh, This is not quite Kevin Durant level, but it's up there, right? I mean, this is another top 12 player on your roster. It's a no-brainer. You have to do it.
0: Yeah. I mean, yes, you would have to give up a lot, but you got to give up a lot to get a lot. And you know, you saw everything OKC got back all the all the draft picks they were able to stockpile for giving up Paul George. You know, his his value is is still pretty darn high. Um, and I really like his fit, honestly, in that lineup alongside Clay. Um, in some ways, he's a similar player to Clay defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that their defense would be super strong with Clay and Paul George and and Draymond uh, anchoring that. Um, so yeah, you got to do it. He's knocked um, down. He's, he's, he's a little streaky, but he's, he's a high
1: percentage three point shooter. He's basically playing point guard for the Clippers for a lot of this year. So the guy's a, a yeah. great playmaker, much better than Andrew Wiggins is. So you're going to have a playmaking element, which we heard Bob Myers say that they need, they need to space the floor. They need playmaking. They need versatile defense. It's all, he hits all those things yeah. and, and it unlocks a lot of interesting lineups too. I mean, and you can on... play Paul George at the four and Draymond at
0: the five. No problem. And if I'm the Clippers, like, what, what are you going to do better than that for Paul George? Um,
1: well, if you're the Clippers, that's kind of one of those dominoes. If you're the Clippers, Kawhi has to walk away and then you have to be in full rebuild mode and trying to, uh, you know, sort of recoup as many assets as that you gave up. Like you mentioned for Paul George, you're just trying to get as many back as you can. Uh, and then if you're, the, but you're right, like, if you're trying to get back as many assets as you can, Three lottery picks, basically, between Wiseman and these two picks within two or three years is a really good way to start replenishing that asset base and still build, you know, and not be thinking so long term, right? Like you're not getting yeah. assets back three, four years from now. You're getting assets right now who can help you win right now
0: um, and, Wiggins and start is only developing right now. Wiggins is only 25 or did he just turn 26? 26.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, I think you could if you wanted to trade Paul George for somebody who's like a good player right now, I think you can get a better player than Andrew Wiggins for Paul no, George. No, I know, but my point but I don't know like, that you can get Wiggins all the assets. could be a guy too.
0: that's still around by the time they yeah. become relevant again in a few years and be a yeah, helpful and, and, and potentially could guy.
1: and you could potentially shop him too, you know, because yeah. if he played as well as he did for you, then now you've got a 3 and D guy and those guys whatever your contract is, those guys are in in need all across the NBA, there will be teams willing to pay for Andrew Wiggins if he puts two years together like he just put together for Golden State this year.
0: Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast, man. Uh, you know, I know that you you got a little bit of a hiatus, but you're back on your grind this week. Where can our listeners uh, find all your stuff and listen to your podcast, which I know you never take days off from. <laughs>
1: Um, the podcast is Locked On Warriors five days a week for Warriors content. We are starting our exit interviews over there. i um, doing the same over at the Mercury News. Uh, so you can read me over there. Follow, you can find all of it if you just follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Uh, all the Warriors content you want. And I promise I will keep the Apple
0: takes to a minimum over there too. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. Always appreciate his insight on the Warriors. Warriors Off is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com.